Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Gabe behind the camera making sure the stream goes smoothly. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we are streaming live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. And ladies, we got another riveting week of real estate news. We're going to start off with, I always find Gary Keller interesting. Um, and, and we've got a really cool guest coming in uh, later today from Locust Lane Brewery in Malvern. We're going to talk about what's going on with mortgage rates as well. Let's lead off with Gary Keller. Uh, I find him to be a very smart individual. He obviously uh, runs a, uh, a different company than ours. All good. I always appreciate people that are in the know when it comes to our industry. And he, uh, they're hosting their family reunion, which is basically their, their major conference that they have every year. This seems to be conference season uh, once we get into February. And Gary Keller, he runs Keller Williams. He had a two-and-a-half-hour keynote, which, I mean, that's a long time. Can you imagine giving a speech yeah, for two and a half hours? He also said, uh, it said in here he didn't take any breaks, just straight through. I mean, I'm sure at some point you got to go to the bathroom, you get thirsty. I, I don't know. And he's an Four older guy, times. so he must be in, in good shape uh, with all his faculties for sure. So the interesting thing about this, though, is is Gary has always been kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to real estate. And in this two and a half hour talk which you know again great for great for him man so that's a long time and he delivered in front of 19,000 people so I mean that's that's I mean if I was in the audience I would have been getting a little little bored I mean I probably would have taken some bathroom breaks I don't know about Gary Uh, (laughs) he answered a couple key questions and and how he let it off was that 2021 was the greatest sales year in the history of real estate Um, and he said you should have had a really good year, but understand this. Some people have had their best years in a down market, and some people have their best years in the best market, which I found pretty interesting. And then he went down and kind of hit on a lot of the topics about real estate. So I thought what we could do is bring up the topic, give a, give you his take, and then we can put our own opinions on this here because we're in the market every day. And he's talking from a national perspective. What I know is that they're seeing things in other parts of the country that aren't happening here and vice versa. So... The first thing that Gary talked about, um, and I, I, it, this isn't even one of the topics, but he said to the crowd, don't worry too much about the mar- what the market is doing. In the end, focus on your main activities of finding men and women who want to do business with you. And if you can, can do that, the market will not totally drive your career. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty sound advice, um, you know, because there's things that we cannot control. And, and that's, you know, our, our, what's going on around us are things we can't really control. So focus on what we can do and finding the people who need our services. Focus on those people because there will be people that need to move. It's not just that they want to move. There's a true need. And you have to reach out and find those people, provide that excellent service. And um, as long as you're, you know, continuing to develop yourself, and providing that great service, you're going to do well because you're always there's always going to pe- be people that have a need, you know, to be in the real estate market. Yeah, absolutely, I would agree. Um, I think in in any market, you know, you always need to focus your time and attention on people who are qualified, people who are motivated, people who are ready to transact. But um, you know, absolutely, like Stacy said, you know, 
in these, there's different things that we can't control. And if you focus your attention on educating and bringing value to the people that do need to move, then you still will have um, clients and, and people to work with. But really well said, and, and, and you you each have a, a very interesting perspective, and, and I'm going to hit on that in a second, what we went through in the pandemic when like it all went down, and it's like, oh, guess what, Pennsylvania, you're out of business. We'll talk about that in a second. What, what, what I know is that he's, I, I agree, he's, he's 100% correct here, because there are so many people that play like the blame game, the victim game, and I am clear this year, we actually just put a piece out about, about this uh, on, on social media, that there's going to be the tale of two agents in 2022. There's going to be the people that said, hey, there's no inventory. It's really tough out there. And they're just complaining, right? They're, they're, they're a victim of their circumstance. And then there's going to be the group of people that said, you know what? I'm getting back to basics. I'm going to do the things that I know work and have worked since the 1960s or the 1950s or whenever else. And they're the ones that are going to win in the market. And having been through a couple of these market cycles, three in particular, the 2001, obviously, with 9-11, that was pretty wild. Uh the 08 crash, which lasted a very long time. And every year in that, you know, sort of recession period, I mean, we saw our business go up and it wasn't easy. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a grind. It was hard. And then what we went through in 2020, I mean, that was also, and, and you ladies were both right there. And, and I vividly remember like Tom Ferry getting on a call with our team saying, Hey, guess what guys, like this has happened before. It's going to happen again. And here's what to do. And he kind of laid out the playbook. So when things did get opened up in the state of Pennsylvania. We were ready to, like, it was, hey, we got the news? Okay, we're going on appointments in 20 minutes. And, and that's that's basically what happened. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not exaggerating there. It might have been maybe a half hour instead of 20 minutes or, like, the next day. <laughs> but literally, as soon as those restrictions got lifted, we were out there ready to go. So in, in that regard, I, I, I do think he's correct there. And I love that he brought that up at the beginning because so many agents, I mean, we talked about this at our team meetings last week. They're complaining that there's no inventory. Well, it's just, it's not true. It's just, there's no stale inventory and homes are selling quicker. So it, it's exactly what he's talking about there. So I love that. Second thing he brought up, the question of, are we in a housing bubble? This was, this is a big question that we, we get a lot. And what he said was, I will tell you for 44 years, every year always seemed, except for the Great Recession, always seemed like a great number two. It always seemed bigger than it should be. And this is what Gary Keller said of previous records for home sales and annual home price appreciation. But the last two years have been more, most remarkable, the most remarkable appreciation period ever since NAR started tracking it. And I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, then he said, are you in a bubble? No, probably not. Not today. Are you beginning to blow a bubble? Yeah, probably. What do you think about that? Well, I think we're in a different situation from the Great Recession only because the subprime lending was like so out of control prior to the lead up of the, that total housing bubble burst. Um, and it was really fueled by that. Um, it, you know, anybody could get any type of loan if you just had a heartbeat or were breathing. Pretty much if you wanted to purchase, you could. A lot of adjustable mortgage rates out there. Um, and when they all adjusted, people couldn't afford their monthly payments. It fueled, you know, the foreclosure market was just out. Of, it was just crazy. So I don't, I really believe we're definitely not in that situation. Um, lending has tightened up. It's, you know, you're very well vetted when you're trying to apply for your mortgage. So you have to have certain things in place. 
Um, you just can't have a heartbeat and get a loan these days. <laughs> so that's, that, that's pretty so, accurate. What, what happened? I mean, I was right, there. right, and um, I, so I think we're not in that type of situation where there's going to be, you know, this bubble and there's going to be lots of foreclosures. As a matter of fact, I was reading some new data out, and foreclosures are at like an all-time low at this point mm-hmm. because people can sell. There's no reason to have your home right. foreclosed on. Um, so that's why we're definitely not in that situation at this point. Um, but it's, things change. I mean, things change all the time. That's one thing you can count on is change. (laughs) So, I mean, things will ebb and flow, but it's not going to collapse. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree. The situation that was in place, um, you know, back in 08 is they dealt with that and they tightened up what needs to be done in order to to get approved and in order to get into your home. So we're dealing with an entirely different scenario. Um, I don't think that there's, you know, suddenly it's just going to pop. Now, when, what did he exactly mean by, are we starting to blow a bubble? Like he thinks that stuff is like coming <laughs> so, or? So the, so Jay Papazan, who was the guy who, he's like his like co-writer on all the books, like millionaire, real estate agent and shift and all those things. So uh, he came out and said, it won't be the same as the Great Recession where the housing bubble burst after years of overbuilding and subprime lending that enabled unqualified buyers to purchase homes, which is what you said, Stacey. Um, He thinks buyers will simply pull out of the market, which could cause home prices to cool. And at some point, the homes become unaffordable. So either we're going to do what happened last time and start, these are uh, Jay Papazan's words, jiggering the way we finance homes, and that didn't turn out well, or it naturally cools off because buyers just say, I won't pay that price. Okay, which to me still doesn't seem bubble-ish. You know what I mean? It's It'll kind of stop before a bubble could start because, you know, people wouldn't be able to compete or would have to hold off and then things will kind of, um, you know, cool slightly. But yeah, I don't I don't see any bubble scenario occurring here. I, I totally disagree that we're blowing a bubble. I actually did a little research here. So a housing bubble, it's defined as by Investopedia, very well-known website. Um, <laughs> It's a run-up on housing prices fueled by demand, speculation, and exuberant spending to the point of collapse. So I would agree that there is a lot of demand right now. The demand's very frothy. You know, we've talked about that at length on this show. Speculation, I don't see any investors speculating right now. In fact, I see investors getting priced out of the market by end users, and and at least where we are. I don't know if you guys disagree, just jump in. And exuberant spending to the point of collapse, housing's been more affordable than ever. We've seen the lowest rates of all time. Even now, rates, are, which we're going to talk about in our next segment, that rates went up above 4% last week, it's still historically very low. They go on to define that as housing bubbles usually start with an increase in the demand in the face of limited supply, which takes relatively extended periods of time to replenish and increase. And then speculators pour money into the market, which has not been happening. And then the demand decreases at the same time supply increases. So, I mean, we'd have to see a lot of homes come on the market. For that to happen, we're at, we're at like a 0. 0.75 to 0.84 month supply in the month of January in the suburbs, and 1.84 in Philadelphia. Meaning, if no new homes came on the market, that's how long it would take for all the existing inventory to get liquidated. There's also more homes that sold than ever before last year. That's the thing. I I, I don't I I do see the market cooling. I don't know that it's a bubble. I think it's just these these people are going to buy a home, and then they're in that like. 11-year cycle of living in a property, and it's going to be a little more normal. So I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, 
maybe, I mean, I, I see where he's saying maybe we're blowing a bubble, but I, I just don't see the data there. There's, I mean, we'd have to see literally 6x the amount of homes to come onto the market to make it a buyer-friendly market. Right. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Mm-mm. So, Gary, you're wrong on the second one. <laughs> Let's go to number three. Um, so looking at inventory issues through another lens. So uh, what Gary came out and said is in December, we had the lowest month of inventory in the history of real estate industry ever recorded. And people go, it's so hard. He said, but I like this, but I'm not a big fan of that word, but, but you do realize in order to sell 6.1 million homes, you have to have 6.1 million homes to sell. So it's not that you didn't have the inventory. What you did have were instant sales. What do you ladies think? That is uh, for sure. Yep. <laughs> instant sales, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so there's that, look at that number, 6.1 million homes. It's huge. Um, and we're slated to sell even more this year. So there is homes, there's homes on the market, they just don't sit on the market. There's not a whole lot of stale inventory, um, although that's one of the places we look to when we have uh, some buyers that are having a little trouble out there. Um, but yes, I I think that, um, oh my gosh, where was I going to go? I'm trying to look for something in here. I got off track. Um, but oh, as far as homes becoming unaffordable, um, there's still, and I go back to this, there's always going to be buyers that need to buy mm-hmm. and, and people need to move. And the interest rates are still historically low. I mean, when I first bought my home, it was 11.99%. So and I tell people that they look at me like I'm insane. Like you actually had a mortgage for it. Yes, I did. And that and that was a good t- price then. You know, some were 17, 18%. So yes, it's still affordable for most folks. There will be folks that are priced out, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it it's not like a a blanket where everybody can participate. There are, are certain standards to get a mortgage, mm-hmm. and again, that. Is going to that's put in place so that we don't have a housing bubble or a si- subprime um, lending conundrum like we did before in 2008. So um, yes, I think that the inventory issues aren't going to go away anytime soon. Um, there's houses coming to market all the time; they just they get taken off the market quickly. They go under contract super fast. Absolutely. I mean, and is this the 6.1 number? Um, that's that's 2020's number. That's not 2021. And mm-hmm. is that just is that counting um, new construction or? I I, I mean I know the numbers and it was yeah. I think it was it was it was like six six point one and then seven or seven point one last year. So right. the, I I don't know where the number came from on that, but um, I would right, imagine. Right, but I yeah, it it definitely supports that. Um, there is inventory. You know, if exactly as he said, for this many homes to go, that many had to be put on the market. Um, and it is it is something where the early bird catches the worm. You have to be, or maybe like the night owl, if you stayed up late to notice it as right. soon as it hit the market the night before, I don't know. Um, but you have to be able to move quickly when the right property comes up. So um, for people that, that can get out there and do that, um, you, do have, you do have options. So I, I think those are both very good points that, and look, we've been talking about this a lot internally. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and we did a, we, we did one of our shows with Tom Ferry. He said, everyone needs to stop saying there's no inventory because mm-hmm. it's just not true. And to me, it comes back to the first statement that he said, where there's a lot of like that victim language out there, like, oh, there's no inventory. There's nothing on the market. And it's just not true. Uh, so, you know, you have to look at it. And we've been saying this for a while, that there 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 is more out there than people think. The other thing they mentioned in this part is that, 
There was a lot of government money flying around the past two years. People had more money than they used to. Look at how hard it is for like restaurants to staff their staff their uh, establishments. Look how hard it is for people to find people to come back to work because there's been all this government stimulus. And a lot of people bought real estate with that, even though that's one, what they weren't supposed to do. They did it. And I, I don't know how you police that. But there was a lot more available money than there has been, which is probably one of, you know, people, you know, they, they, they value things a little differently. So I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, I totally agree, though. You can't sell 7 million homes in 2021 without the 7 million homes to sell. There's no stale inventory. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I mean, the, the way technology has changed the industry and may not be so much for, for, for YouTube, but I mean, there was a time when like you had to log into the MLS on like a common computer and like they and it, there was only a certain way you could look at it. And you had to go to brokers open house. I mean, it was just a slower process. And this was not that long ago. This was 15 years ago. Uh, Zillow wasn't a thing 10 years ago. Um, and now people got apps on their phone and they're getting updated. And I mean, the, people just make decisions faster. And that has something to do with it as well. Because, I mean, you look at your screen time you get every week. People are on these things all the time. So I would say that's part of it. And then also like electronic signatures. I mean, technology is a little underestimated here. And technology doesn't necessarily drive industries, but it, it, it helps accelerate them. And I would say that's as much of this as anything else. And look at how society is today. People want an answer like, they send you guys a text message right when we're on the show here. <laughs> they, yeah, you yeah, want an answer? Yep, like, yep. Yep. Uh-huh. So every realtor should just turn off their read receipts in general as a good rule of thumb. But uh, you don't have an iPhone. I don't, so. <laughs> I don't have that problem. <laughs> but in, in general, I mean, it's something that it's I, – I, th- there's society behaviors here that drive this as well. That I, I'm clear that's part of it. All right. We got a couple more here to cover real quickly. So um, mortgage rates and inflation are trending up, but don't freak out now is what they said. So – uh, mortgage rates have steadily ascended in the third and fourth quarter. You're over here worried about 4% mortgage rates is what Gary said, and I was dealing with 17%. Uh, if you got in the real estate industry in 02 or 03, you had never experienced high mortgage rates. You've been living in the cheapest era of money. Uh, so, I mean, are, are people off base on their view of, of rates going up into the 4% range? For the most part, uh, the people that I come in contact with, they're not as concerned about you know, about a quarter or half. Now, yeah, I mean, they don't like it. It's not what they're, you know, they signed up for, (laughs) Um, especially if it takes them a little bit longer to get under contract so that they can lock in on their mortgage rate. But it's not deterring them from not going out to buy that home. They are, the people that I deal with are steadfast and they're like, yes, we're going to get this home. We're going to, you know, that's the main point. They don't want to wait another year. Because they don't know, we nobody knows what's going to happen next year or even six months. So um, the serious folks that I'm dealing with, they want to lock in now, and and they they are happy with the rates actually. Yeah, I mean, I would say for for serious motivated individuals, this is not going to stop them. The people that um, probably are going to be the most turned off by it are the same ones that have been looking for, you know. <laughs> One year, two years, three years. Yep. And like if it wasn't this, it would have been something else. You know, like um, so I think they are still historically low. They are still excellent interest rates. Now, if you're if you've been looking for a while and you're comparing to what you could have afforded a little bit ago. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit upsetting when now you see what happens to your monthly payment. But for people that, um, you know, need to move and want to move, um, they will still figure it out. Yep. And those people that look for years at a time, they're always out there. They're always trying right. to like find a better deal or mm-hmm. outthink the market. And they're the ones that usually 
they're still renting. End up having, yeah. Yeah, they're either right. renting and paying someone else's mortgage, exactly. or they just end up settling at the end. They passed on so many good opportunities. Right. So, for me, this comes down to the same thing we talked about. You got to find motivated people to work with, and that's the reason you should be in the housing market. It's, I mean, if you see an opportunity to upgrade, or it makes sense financially, or your house is too small, like that's the reason to move. A lot of people they want to look at this as like, hey, I'm going to make this great investment in a house, and it does help build wealth. It's not the best investment that's out there. There's better investments, but instead of paying rent, it's 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 a much smarter move. So I totally agree with you, ladies. There, and you know that's another thing that's out of your control, and all the more reason to be decisive and have a plan than kind of come to the market and not connect with an agent who can give you the right guidance. So last last one here, we're going to skip the housing starts because. That doesn't really apply to our market here. We don't have a lot of new construction. Um, I mean, he says, go buy dirt. Well, there's no dirt available in the greater Philadelphia area. Or if it is, it's a really crappy piece of dirt that no one wants to build on on a busy street. So industry consolidation, this is the last one. Then we're going to take a quick break. I find this to be very interesting, and we're going to talk about um, mortgage rates again in the next segment. Gary came out and said, when you look at the industry, you have all these players. We put us at the top, real estate companies and real estate agents, but then you have the insurance industry, you have mortgage, you have home builders to institutional buyers, title and escrow, you have power buyers, all these Zillow, Realtor.com, different portals, all these different players that are in the industry. And then he talked about Zillow, closing Zillow offers in, in November. We've talked about that a lot. Um, and he said, keep an eye out and understand that every vendor that you do business with is absolutely headed towards taking more money from you eventually. I'm not saying this with criticism. It's just going to happen. We formed a business like Keller Mortgage really in the beginning as a defense mechanism because at the end of the day, they're going to own everything. Then we should all go own everything. So what I'm hearing here is consolidate your business, be a one-stop shop. What do you guys think about this? Like value-added services? Um, I think it's great. I know that in our firm, we do that. You Mm -hmm. know, We have in-house lenders um, and uh, title company. It just makes everything very streamlined um, as far as the transaction goes for and for the clients. You know, for the clients, we try to bring to them that smooth transaction so that they have less stress. It's already stressful enough moving. Um, so whatever we can do, and and that goes to the customer service part of it. So I think, yeah, don't be afraid to to definitely consolidate those um, services because I like what he said about everybody's part of the real estate market everybody if you think about it even contractors 17 17 <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. of the gdp is real estate yeah, more huge. than energy everyone forgets this it's huge yeah there's definitely a huge trickle down there um for all the players that that are involved um yeah i mean i would say when you work with people that you know you like you trust and that they can bring a streamlined process to that transaction absolutely utilize that and bring value to to your clients um in terms of, you know, knowing that different parties out there that you work with, it, there are some things that like that could be a good fit for you now. And maybe in a couple years, if they do start taking bigger pieces of stuff, maybe that isn't such a great fit anymore. So it is important to kind of we talk about this a lot, diversifying your mm-hmm. your buckets and having different sources that you use um, in order to to find new clients and to, to work with people. So absolutely continue to do that but and know that not everything that you work with today is who you would necessarily work with down the line but if it works you know whatever brings that streamlined process utilize that and then figure it out as time goes by well said and and i'll add on to that real quickly that if you're not making it a more streamlined process for the consumer 
you're going to lose. Like that, that I mean and anytime we anytime we um we we have a situation where they get like the outside vendor mm-hmm. it, it never goes well for the consumer. The control you have of of picking all right, this is the mortgage person I I recommend working with because they do a really good job or this is a title person that I know is going to close on time or the insurance person who's going to pick up the claims and all, all these different here's the contractor and it's not going to leave you hanging when the job's half done. Those when they use other people it, it just it doesn't work out because we've seen it all before. And to your point, Stacey, a lot of stuff comes through the realtor. And that's where I, I'm clear the, the most savvy organizations, which we're doing internally, are building these out. So we have all these trusted vendors. So literally the consumer's got to show up. We've got to show them how, the value prop. And then from there, they can go have a smooth and easy transaction to move into their home because that's what everybody wants. Right. And these um, the different people that we've you know worked with and recommended, it's not like one time they did a good yes. job. It's right. like this have these have gone through so many of our transactions and they've shown the test of time. And, you know, so it's it's not like, hey, it worked once. Let's see if it goes again. I mean, these are people that have gotten the, do- the job done so many times so smoothly. Um, and that's why we want to work with them. <laughs> well, there's a lot of pressure on them, too, because if they screw up the relationship with us well guess what that yeah. like that i mean they're 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 losing a lot of opportunities there because that's their our, our reputation online it's our name brand on the line so that to me is 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 where you're going to see organizations and teams and and brokerages grow where they're it's like literally a one-stop shop because that's what consumers want they don't want to deal with all the nonsense they want to make it easy they want to pay a fair price and they just want to they want to get the home in a lot of cases oh yeah mm-hmm All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about mortgage rates going over 4% real quickly, and then we've got Tom Arnold here from Locust Lane Brewery in Malvern. Very excited to have him on. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America is the equal housing Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. 
So we're going to have a quick second segment today because we've got an awesome guest here, Tom Arnold from Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern. He's got all kinds of stuff to talk about. They're doing some awesome charity work, so we're going to get to that shortly. What we want to talk about real quickly, and I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up, is that last week rates went up past 4% on, on a 30-year fixed loan. This is like, And no one thought this was going to happen until like the end of the year. I mean, n- none of the economists, none of the experts – and all of a sudden, when the consumer price index data came up at the end of January, if you don't know what the consumer price index is, it is the cost of consumer goods, right? So like food, shelter, those sort of things. It was up 7.5% since January of 2021, the highest increase since 1982. 40 years is the highest jump we've seen in the consumer price index. So once that data hit... All of a sudden, the market reacted, and then there was another piece of information that dropped from the St. Louis Federal Reserve chairman that said, basically the short of it was, I think the Fed should raise rates quicker and faster, is is what he said. I'll give the exact quote in a second. And all of a sudden, mortgage rates went up. The market reacted. So what do you ladies think about, about all this? I mean, this is pretty big news. It was probably a little bit of a shock to some people as well that were trying to wait out the market a little bit or wanted things to calm down. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's not surprising that they went up. It's it is surprising how how quickly and where will it go next. I think what we also need to keep our eye on with this is that sometimes the market reacts, you know, quickly and then if you give it a minute, it'll kind of settle back down again. Agreed. So, we'll have to see kind of where this goes um after this initial like boom came out here um to kind of see if they're going to like flatten out or uh at least not continue to rise. Um, but it is surprising how quickly out of the gate these really flew up. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, although I haven't heard much in my circle of clients that I'm dealing with that they were too concerned <laughs> about it. So I think their focus is just getting the house. That's that, that's really what I think their focus is. But yeah, um, it definitely it it. The markets react to every every little thing. Every tweet that comes out, it could like, you know, the market dropped 500 points. Um, so <laughs> it's true. So the market reacts. And like Sarah said, it, you know, when people have a minute to think about things, um, it levels out. Um, there has been so much money pumped into the economy um, with all the federal spending. So I think that they're just the federal government has to, um, you know, raise the rates see how the market's doing, see what's going on as far as the economy. Is that going to quell the inflation at this point, or is it still going to continue to rise? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, if you haven't heard. But um, yes. so that could affect, <laughs> that could increase inflation. So I think it's just going to be a roller coaster ride for a little bit. Um, and we'll just have to, you know, that's one thing we really can't control. Right. And I think it, it goes back also to um, not trying to beat the market like if you need to get your home like not trying to you know think like oh well if I wait 30 more days I think it's going to drop this much and then this is going to happen like no it's um it's big picture Mm -hmm. how high do you see rates going this year because this this is past where a lot of the predictions were a lot of the predictions were like high threes like maybe like three and three quarters that happened in January yeah like today today's February 22nd and we're looking at 4% 4% rates. How high do you see them going? And, and how do you see this playing out between now, let's say from now until the end of June, because that's kind of that spring market sort of season. There's that like 4th of July timeout where everyone goes down the beach for a week and, and does all that. And then where are they the second half of the year? 
It's going to be tough because I thought for the whole year we would hit like four and a half, you know, for the whole year. But we could surpass that like in the first half year. Don't yeah, know. I think there's a good chance we could be at, at four and a half easily. And may, like, I don't know, maybe we'll spike up to five. I don't think we'll end at five, but maybe I feel like there could be a little spike in there um, being around more that like five spot. So here's what I anticipate happening. You brought up a really good point. I see rates dancing around around 4% between now for the next 90, you know, maybe even 180 days. Um, And then when we get to the summertime, it'll be interesting because a lot of the predictions for the Fed were that they weren't going to start raising rates until Q2, Q3 anyway. I'd be looking at that Q3 meeting coming up in September. I believe that's when it's scheduled. I'd have to double check on that. But when they have their their, their Q3 Fed meeting, um, that is when I, I think we could see the bigger jump and they might go into the mid fours. I don't know about five, but I, I, I see this kind of – I don't see anything – I think it's going to dance dance around a lot. Like it's going to go up an eighth, down an eighth. So knowing that's the case, you're working with buyers every day. What should buyers be thinking about or the seller – and forget the seller with a home to buy, uh, that they has to buy and they're worried about that because they got to go find their home and do what's best, like you said. The buyers that want to – they get under contract and they're messing around with the rate lock. This is a big concern that I have for a lot of people. So what advice should we be giving buyers that want to screw around with the rate lock a little bit, try to outthink the market, like you said? What What are you going to be telling them? I'll tell you, I, <laughs> just lock in and be done with it and be satisfied and just, um, you know, be okay with your decision. It's fine because you got the house. You're going to be locked in. If you try to outsmart it, most people, if they do those kinds of things, they, you know, they kick themselves in the butt because they regret. They're like, oh, it went up a half a point. I should have locked in, blah, blah, blah. Um, so just lock in. If you're under contract, get it done. Um, and then move on to other things. There's so much more to think about, you know, during that buying process. Um, that's one thing you can just take off the table. Right. I think the more time you spend thinking about it, the more you care about it and the bigger it affects you yes. post, like, just mm-hmm. locking in. Um, I think you need to look at at the rate that you can get that you can lock in at. Does that still have you afford the property at where you thought that you could? Are you still going to be able to not only hit your monthly payments, but like know that you have some little wiggle room there in your budget? Um, and if you if you can, then it's a win. You get the house and you move on. So I agree with exactly what you're saying. And I'm going to go one step further. Talk to the person who is handling your financing and get their advice. No different than when people ask us for advice and we maybe tell them something they don't want to hear. It's what they need to hear. Remember, they're making the decision, even the, and, and so it's, it's ultimately up to them. I'd be t- like, I, I know that the folks we work with at Mortgage America, we work very closely with them. They will tell you, hey, give it a day or two. The market may come down. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what our investors are telling us. Versus I'd lock right now because there's some headwinds that, that are happening. I mean, you can even look at like the overnight trading windows and see what happens there. Now, the rates don't go up after five o'clock. So if you see the market moving after five, well, you might want to lock in that night and just email your, your lender. So to me, it's about constant communication with the lender. And if they can't answer that for you, it's time to find a new lender who can give you the right guidance because this is a big financial decision. And to correct myself here, so the, the Fed meeting is the, uh, the, it's September 20th, so I was right, in September. That, to me, is going to be the key meeting. They have one coming up in about three weeks, um, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. I don't know if they're going to raise rates then. I would imagine at the June 14th and 15th meeting, we're going to see a rate hike then. 
that that's kind of my predictions here from everything I've read. Um, and certainly, uh, I don't want to make the decisions the Fed does. But I, I, not only lock in right away if you feel good about it, but make sure you're talking to your lender. Because if you're not getting advice from a professional and you're trying to figure it out on your own, that's like going to the doctor and trying to diagnose yourself. And you're like, oh, my, I think I hurt my knee. And when you might have like a problem with your like Achilles, right? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And I mean, if you're like talk out different options with your lender, I mean, if you want to like buy down your rate or like, mm-hmm. you know, there's different options there that you can discuss with them and, you know, just talk it through and, and figure out what makes sense. But, you know, again, just like you said, Stacey, I mean, don't spend don't overthink it. I the agree. rates are up. Don't mess around locking it in. We're going to leave it there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We've got Tom Arnold here from Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern. I've had the beer. It's delicious. We're going to get into all that. And before we break, real quickly, if you want to give your clients advice, like we just explained about when to lock in a rate, and you're thinking about getting into the real estate industry, check out our scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. There's no cost involved, and we'll get you through all the training. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We're coming back in a couple minutes on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. And we have an amazing guest here. We've got Tom Arnold from Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern. Tom, thanks for coming on first and foremost. We're super excited to have you. Why don't you tell everyone the best ways to get in touch with your brewery, then we can get into some of the story behind it. I think you've got a really interesting story how you got into the brewing business, and you're doing a lot of charity work as well, which is really cool. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. Very exciting, very unusual sitting here in a radio studio, actually. But uh, <laughs> we're in Malvern, um, technically Frazier, just outside the borough, um, kind of near that Home Depot in that area. Uh, you can find us at our website, locustlanecraftbrewery.com. Um, we always have a lot going on, events and charity stuff going on at the brewery. Uh, you know, Lots of different beers coming out all the time, and we're out and about at different events as well. So we got to check out the website to see where we are. Yeah, so it's locustlanecraftbrewery.com, and the address is 53 Ton Road, uh, Suite 4 in Malvern. 
Um, and it looks like you guys are open Wednesday through Sunday. Do I have that right in terms of your tap room? Yeah, tap room is Wednesday to Sunday. So Wednesday, Thursday and Friday evenings, and then Saturday and Sunday from 1 o'clock on. Very cool. So you've got a really interesting story. We had the um, privilege of, of getting a tour of the brewery. You kind of walked us through um, our, our whole – a good part of our team was there. Actually, a part of our team, I shouldn't say a good part. I think we had like 10 or 15 people come through. And uh, you kind of gave us your story of how you got into brewing beer, which I think is really interesting because a lot of people, they like fantasize about this stuff. It's one day I'm going to get into doing something like this. But you had a very different path. And I think it's really interesting to hear how people get into businesses they love. So could you share a little bit about that and then we can talk about the brewery? So going back, I mean, there are three of us in the brewery. We're all all in the same fraternity at Penn State. We're all Penn State guys. Locust Lane is the street that our fraternity was on at Penn State. So that's that's where the name came from, and that's our little our little hook to the Penn State crowd. But uh, me myself, like I was in uh, finance. I worked in Wilmington, then worked in Bermuda for six years, and then um, relocated to Radnor, the Radnor Financial Center. So worked out of there for the last I don't know 2003 to 16, whatever, 13 years there. Um, working nights, trading the uh, Asia financial markets, futures and currencies and such. So, um, But after 20 years of doing that and doing it at night and trying to be married and be a good husband and father and so on, just kind of <laughs> burned out. And what did I like doing outside of, outside of the that job was I really liked making beer. I mean, started making wine, but I don't have the patience for wine. It takes way too long. <laughs> Beer's way faster to, to kind of from when you make it and the idea to when you're actually drinking it. So was making beer at home, just goofing around, but everybody said, oh, you could you could sell this stuff. So what the heck? Here we are selling it. So five years later, we're, we're five years on April 1st already. So. Wow, congratulations. Thanks. I mean, that, that's a long time. I mean, to get to hit the five-year mark in any business is a big deal. That's usually when you see the biggest turn. So uh, tell us about the beer. I mean, you brought a lot of stuff here. Like, yeah. I mean, is there, is there any particular beer you feel like is, is one of your goats? I mean, you, have all, I mean, you, you had a, a long list of things you were brewing. I'd love to kind of hear, like, your, your go-to, some of your favorites, and talk more about that. Yeah, so our big thing is just to try to make something for everybody. We want to be, like, super approachable. We want people to come into our tap room and be able to talk to us and chat and ask questions and try to figure out you know, why beer is what it is. You don't want to just come in and have like 18 IPAs on tap, for example. So we have a little bit of everything. And we'll have a Kolsch, which is really light, a Pilsner, um, and then hoppy stuff like Game Day and Fluffy Sunshine. And we do a lot of charity beers. We have uh, a Black is Beautiful beer. We do a scholarship in the area. And uh, Dancing Diamonds, which is a beer raises money for Penn State Dance Marathon. So we're always doing something for somebody as well as ourselves. You know, it's not, we're not running a charity, but we're helping a lot of them. So... But yeah, we try to do a little bit, little bit something for everybody. Is the is the goal? Love it. So what? talk about the cup. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, you yeah, off there. Oh yeah, so the yeah the community cup. So this was, we were always doing stuff for charities. We're involved in Eastern Regional Chamber of Commerce, and they set us up with uh, charities that we raise money for for every month. And uh, back in the day, we would you know pre COVID. Um, I guess BC, if you will. Um, we. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, <laughs> We uh, used to have just a big happy hour and we'd raise money doing like guest bartenders and such at the brewery, but obviously weren't doing that during COVID. So we started this thing called the Community Cup where you buy the cup. We had a, uh, a different charity every month. You buy the cup. The cup was 20, 10 bucks went to the charity. And then you bring the cup in during that month and every pint you get $1 goes to that charity as well. So we switch it up all the time. Some, you know, we did um, Adam Talaferro Foundation, who's a Penn State football player who broke his neck and now does a whole bunch of people for um, – help, helps out a whole bunch of people that have, have in our wheelchairs and so on. Um, we actually just win an award for him for being like business of the year or something. Um, and then, uh, yeah, other examples, um, Crime Victim Center, 
homeless shelters, places like that. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you're bringing up our website, yeah, which would help a great. lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. North Star, then Dan- Pennsylvania's Marathon I mentioned, and so on. This great. Month. Yeah, that's this month. Oh, no. That's 2021. Okay. No, that's this Sorry. month as well. It's always oh, okay. Penn State Marathon gotcha. is always this month. So it was just this past weekend where they set a new $13.7 million record wow. raising money. So Amazing. anyway, that's, you know, we the, the, two, the two other, Jason and Brian, the two other owners, Jason was um, Penn State Dance Marathon overall chair back in the mid-90s. Wow. And then his Jay, uh, Brian was part of his overall committee. So I was lax. I didn't do anything back then. I, I just <laughs> drank a lot of beer and had a lot of fun. So chased them around. <laughs> but so uh who comes up with the um you know your recipes I should That's um what do you up call to them? this point it's been me. I know recipes the right word. Uh, okay. Up to this point it's mostly been me. I mean I'm you know we we have an idea what we want to do. Um you know we want to make a light beer. All right, let's pick a style and then kind of work towards that style. Or if it's oh we want to do hoppy beer. Okay, we have enough that are kind of citrusy. The hops are citrusy. All right, what else can we do? And we try to find some hops that are different. Just try to change it up, change up the the look, the color, the hot profile, and so on. Um, you know, like our Kolsch was something I was making in my garage that everybody loved, so I just did exactly the same thing, and it turned out actually better in our better equipment. So that's, you know, I didn't, unfortunately, it's not in cans, so I didn't bring it. But the Pilsner, which is another light beer, is a cool story. We went to visit, um, my wife has a friend that lives in Switzerland, which she was right across the border from one of the big hop-growing regions in Germany. So the guys at Victory gave me the name of the hop farmer they buy hops from in Tetanang, Germany, and I went and visited his hop farm. Hop farmer, he had a big beer garden and a restaurant, whatever. And we had, we got the blue ribbon tour through the whole place, and I drank. He had like five or six beers on tap, and his pilsner was awesome. So I wrote him an email as best as I could in my broken German English, whatever you know. <laughs> How did you make this beer? And he gave me the exact recipe, like wow. you know, from the beginning to end. I couldn't do exactly the stuff he does. He's got a you know a smaller system and a little bit more flexible than ours but i you know we made it as best we could to, to copy his and people have loved it like um it was actually one of our best sellers last year and we only had it on tap for half the year oh my so, gosh that's yeah. saying something right there <laughs> so we also have we have a big um we actually have a mug club at the brewery as well that is 160 people that are just part of, they're like our regulars you know all our norms of the you know everybody has their own chair type <laughs> mm-hmm. thing so those people we just kind of watch what they do, what they drink. We can kind of keep track. They get each one of the beers they buy, we kind of mark and kind of keep track. And the uh, the Pilsner, number one beer was a beer called Fluffy Sunshine that I didn't bring, but it's like a, a pale ale, like a lower ABV, but very hoppy that they like because they can have a bunch of it and still be able to drive home. <laughs> but then the second one was Pilsner, which I was, I was completely shocked. So we had our, we have our yearly meeting with them, kind of getting, you know, we do our Start, stop, continue. I don't know if you guys do that at your business, but what do, what should we pretty, start? Pretty similar. Yeah, actually. what do we start? You know, what can we you know what we need to stop that we're doing wrong, and what should we continue? You know, so one of the when we went through the number the different beers, I was amazed that they were that they so much, drank so much pilsner. So that was that's why we have it on tap now because I wouldn't have made it till later in the year. It's more of a lawnmower, you know, like summer type beer when it's warm out, but. When you were like first starting to talk about that story, I just kept thinking of beer fest, yeah. um, and you know <laughs> them going up to drink the ram's piss up in the mountains yeah. to prep for. Uh, I mean, not that that's at all what your beer would taste like. Yours is delicious, yeah, but right. um, of course. and that's just what was flashing through my head. But um, when you have an idea for you know a new a new beer a new recipe, what is the time frame from like when you think of it until you actually get it out? It kind of depends. I mean, we can. We can do it pretty quick, to be honest, just because we're so flexible. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm buying ingredients when I need them, not stockpiling stuff and sitting on them. So, um, 
we could probably within a month make the beer and then maybe three weeks later have it in package and ready to go. Seven weeks, two months ish. So do you and do you usually start out with a small batch and kind of test it and make sure it's it's what you expected it to be um, before you, I don't know, bring it into the big equipment? Like when you were saying you tried some stuff in your garage first, is that a normal way to go about it? It just depends. If I if I know it's something that's going to go well, we just go for it. Yeah. If it's something we're not sure, then we have a small system that'll make... Our, our big system makes about 500 gallons at a time. We have a small system that'll do 10. Oh, wow. So we'll do it like, you know, two-thirds of a keg of a half keg. So we'll, we'll do that as a test and put it on tap and see how it goes and... You know, maybe trying a new yeast or a new type of malt or something. We, you know, we, we do we do tests, but we also do them for fun. Just I'm not big on throwing a ton of fruit or weird things in beer, but we'll do that in the small batches for fun. Okay, that's cool. Have so. you, uh, with the supply chain issues that mm-hmm. are affecting so many other businesses, have you been personally affected by it? And if you have, how? So not a ton in that we haven't... Um, like ran out of supply of anything. We've always been able to get stuff. I had one time where cans were maybe going to be an issue, but didn't turn out to be an issue. The problem for us has been the cost. So in- inflation is a real thing. Um, we're seeing just in the last, it, it actually was the worst timing ever, but I just, I just written our distributor saying we're going to increase prices to this number. And then within the next like week later, I get a 7% increase in our canning supplier, I get a 20% increase in our malt and like all these things just talking through. I'm like, wait, I got to reprice all this again. So I just sent him a warning shot saying, hey, just so you know, I'm in a month or two, we might need to do it again. And is anybody else doing this? He's like, oh, I'm just, I'm hearing about it, but not yet. But it, it's a real thing. It's it's coming through. We're, we're actually starting to transition. We've used a lot of German and English malts. So those just because of the shipping, the containers coming across are ridiculous. So that's one of the things we just did was a small batch using malt, like American malt. That's but you know that was actually from Delaware, relatively local. Okay. So we're um yeah we're trying to make some changes. I mean, there's some things you're kind of stuck with. You know, you're, the hops are all American, so they are what they are. Um, cans are what they are. Luckily, we're 16 ounce cans instead of the 12 ounces are a bigger problem because Coke and Pepsi and Bud and everybody use 12 ounce cans, but the 16 ounces aren't as bad. But the the metal itself is expensive. It all adds up. Well, we're seeing the same thing. I mean, we just had, literally you were in on the story where consumer the consumer price index went up seven and a half percent last month. So it, it's it, it, it's a real issue. Um, I'd love to hear more about the scholarship you're doing. I love when uh, companies do this stuff and actually give back. And I mean, Malvern's a very tight knit community. I used to work down the street in high school from where you guys are located. So why don't you tell people a little bit more about the scholarship? Because I'm on your website here checking it out. I thought it was a pretty pretty cool thing that you're doing. Yeah. So the whole Black's Beautiful thing started um, last year. Uh, when all the, you know, all the protests and stuff were going on. And uh, there was a brewery down in Texas that said, oh, we're going to do a Black's Beautiful Beer. Uh, whoever wants to join in, join in. And you guys donate it to whatever cause is appropriate for your area. And we kind of went back and forth on what was appropriate for our area. You know, everybody has their own opinion. I have family that are police, so it's not going to be something anti-police. That was my first thing. Um Jason, one of the owners, his his dad's black, his mom's white. He looks just like Bryant Gumbel, actually, from the news. Anyway, he uh, he so he you know he started we started talking to him more about it because I, I think it affected him was more personal to him than the rest of us, and we just kind of ended up kind of settling on a scholarship. So we sent out um, I don't know if the schools believed this at first or not. Oh, we're a brewery and we're doing a scholarship, you know. So we sent out you know sent out a whole bunch of uh, 
you know, applications to them, like have your kids fill out this application and put in for it, right? We actually made them write an essay. So I think that kind of whittled, you know, that kind of whittled out a lot of people because <laughs> nobody wants yes, to write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, and we got a little um, group. There's a, uh, an artist that we have an art, we just have an artist put up art in our brewery that they try to, they try to sell it and also get just promotional aspect of it. So one guy was an art teacher in the area. Um, and then, uh, Jason's cousin also runs like youth programs down in Philly. So we got a couple of people involved to all read the scholarships and we all like did just like a number grading and picked out three and gave each all three of them a thousand bucks to go to school last year. That's so awesome. this coming year, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to pick out three, you know, pick out three kids, a thousand each. And we're actually the kids from last year. We're going to, we're going to make them get in and judge with us. So we're going to kind of keep it as a thing. Like it's almost like a little family. Like everybody's going to, it's going to grow and grow and grow. So we'll keep them. We want to know what they're doing. One kid was going to temple um, I forget where the other two were going, but it was great. Like you, we ended up meeting some awesome families. Like one, one mom was like a military mom. And like, the more we talked to them, like we actually got some awesome people to take this money. Like this is, I feel so good about this. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. So we're, we're doing that. I guess we'll probably give it out. I'm not even remember when it was like May, probably near the end of the school year. So we're actually raising money this year. Sorry, we're actually raising money this year to give out next year. We already have the money. Got it. Okay. We're, we're like a year in advance. So that's awesome. So, again, we're here with Tom Arnold uh, from Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern. You can visit their website. It's locustlanecraftbrewery.com, and they're at 53 Ton Road in Malvern, and it's Suite 4. Uh, so what else should we know about, about your, your brewery here? I mean, I, I love the story behind it. Like, it's I wanted to get into this. It was something that uh, got Tom <laughs> busting open some beers here, which is my very vo- cool. My voice is starting to go already. I'm not used to talking. It's good, good for him. Yeah. Best show yet Anybody so want far. Some? Do you like some pilsner? You like pills? Yeah. I have a question about the yeah, food truck. Yeah, feel free. Okay, so it I know it says it's temporary yeah. closed for yeah. uh, updates, but um, tell me a little bit about the food truck and when it's going to come back online. So here. yeah, we're we're in the process of trying to find a new chef for the truck right now, and we're kind of the, the that market is really hard, just trying to find people to work. Period, but much less the food industry. Very so, hard, yeah. yeah. But um, so we bought this. That was like our. One of the big things coming out of COVID was we needed to make some changes to get people to come here and stay here. Number one, we built an outdoor deck, so we doubled our seating. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, um, we bought a, another tank, so to kind of increase our capacity that I'm actually finally getting around to finishing up installing this week. And then uh, the other thing was we bought a food truck. So we just started looking online, found the truck, bought it last Feb, got it going in April, and it ran all last year. So. I mean, how it works, it, f- it feels like a restaurant. We're not supposed to have a kitchen. We're industrial zone, so we're not supposed to have a kitchen inside, so we just have it outside instead. And, yeah, you just come in, you order at the bar, and then they send you know, they send an order out to the truck, and they bring it in. So the, the chef, we'll see what the new guy does whenever we get him, but, I mean, you know, the chef does the best he can with what, you, what equipment you have on a food truck. It's not a full kitchen. It's not, you know, he's not, I keep joking, he's not going to be doing, like, cassoulet in there or anything, you know. <laughs> I know, but, but the menu looks great. Yeah. It, it really does. So the first guy that started it um, had a pretty good experience in uh, opening different restaurants and stuff. And we knew he was temporary. Um, and then he had a friend that came in and took it over through the fall. But it just ended up being too much for him. So he finished up at the end of the year. And honestly, like, dry January is a real thing, too. So mm-hmm. January stinks for us. We weren't in a big rush to find anybody. Um, now we're kind of getting to that point where St. Patrick's Day is getting close. So. Yeah, the corner's going to turn real quick. <laughs> so if we have so, any chefs listening, right. go yeah, to and email Tom Arnold because they need somebody. I, I do like the setup you guys have there because our, our team did a whole tour of the brewery, and um, 
the the tap room's really cool, but having that deck space outside, I mean, have you, have you seen that pick up and been used a lot more, especially with COVID? Because now, like, people don't seem to care if the weather's nice. They'll just sit outside all the time. Like, has that been helpful for you with business? It has overall. I mean, we were we always saw better numbers and better attendance in general when we had outdoor seating. For sure. So, yeah. I mean, we did an outdoor beer garden just on the side of the building during COVID when you weren't supposed to be inside at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, it just just having that many more seats that's actually blessed by the PLCB and the and whoever else is nice too. You're not worried about somebody showing up and getting in trouble or anything, you know. But definitely helpful, definitely. Awesome. So we're here with Tom Arnold from Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern. It's locustlanecraftbrewery.com. What's your favorite beer that you guys make? We have about a minute left here, so we're gonna put you on the spot. Um, honestly, the the one I'm most proud of is the Kolsch, by a long shot. Like it's actually. And this is just a just a general advice for anybody going to a brewery. You go to a brewery, find the lightest thing they have on tap, and try that. And if that tastes good, everything else is going to be good. Because if there's any problem, you'll see it in that beer. So um, our culture is our lightest thing. If there's there's nothing wrong with that beer, that beer is there's no flaws. It tastes awesome. People love it. I'm the most proud of that one. So how can if people want to get beer from you guys, do you deliver, take out? I mean, walk us through how, how they can connect with your uh, your brewery here. We do, yeah. Well, um, we are we have an online portal from the website, and you can order, you can come pick up. Um, we're not doing deliver anymore. We did that during COVID, and then we're in you know we're in Wegmans and Whole Foods and a bunch of different awesome. uh, places around the area. All right, so it's locustlanecraftbrewery.com, Locust Lane Craft Brewery in Malvern at Fifty Three Ton Road, Suite Four. Tom, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Great stuff. Love the story. We'll be continuing to support you. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. You want to follow Stacy? You can follow her at the number two Mitchco, two M I T C H C O. You can follow Sarah at Ty underscore Ty Time T Y underscore T Y T I M E. This is all on Instagram. You can follow me at at Tom Tool Three R D at Tom Tool the Third. Again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team since 2018 in Pennsylvania and Delaware. We're streaming live every week. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio signing off.